How's everybody doing today? Great. Everybody had a great week? Yes. Come on, clap those hands for Jesus. Come on, how many of you had the victory on today? Amen. Come on, how many of you had the victory on today? I need some victorious people to make some noise. Yes. That's right, make some noise. We have the victory in Christ Jesus. Amen, amen, amen. So when you, when you have the victory, there's no defeat. Amen. amen. We might have some down moments, but we will rise. Amen. We will rise. I'm so happy to see you guys today. How's everybody? Yes. Everybody hanging in there? Yes. All right. So we're, we're going to continue our series on the book of 1 Samuel. Uh, we're in 1 Samuel, the fourth chapter on today. Um, how many of you have been following us for the last four weeks? All right, all right, all right. A lot of insight, a lot of new things that God has shown me um, as I'm reading this. And I have read Samuel numerous times, um, but it seems like God just keeps pointing some stuff out. Uh, so we're going to deal with 1 Samuel, the fourth chapter on today. Uh, this is a very similar or familiar passage of scripture that many of us have probably read before. Um, sort of um, just bring some illumination to the scripture, if I may. Amen. So we're at uh, 1 Samuel, the fourth chapter. We're going to start at the first verse. When you get there, say amen. All right, all right, all right. Jody. All right, praise God. Every time Jody here, I'm going to make sure she's there. I mean, if Jody ain't there, we ain't there. <laughs> it take her a while, so I know. <laughs> when she get there, everybody there. All right. It says, I I'm just going to work through this text today. Is that all right? All right, we're going to try to get through this whole entire fourth chapter today. Uh, there's a lot here. Uh, so before I even go there, let's just deal with the backdrop for just a couple moments. Uh, so we understand that Israel is still during the era of the judges. Anybody ever read the book of Judges? All right, so this is during the era of the judges, and the judge at this time is a man by the name of Eli. Uh, Eli has an issue. The problem with Eli is that he didn't whoop his children's behind. Uh-oh. <laughs> Bottom line, I'm sorry, I ain't got nothing fancy to say there. Eli didn't, didn't pull that belt out. So now he has another generation that is rising up that are rebellious, uh, that, have, that have just desecrated the temple, uh, that have just done everything that is against the word of God. These guys are stealing the offerings. These guys are laying with the women in the temple. Uh, these guys are stealing from the people. Uh, just a complete uh, uh, chaotic situation going on in Israel. And in the meantime, Eli is gaining weight. And we found out the reason why Eli is gaining weight is because he's taking the stolen items that belong to God and he's eating them, looking the other way, not questioning where they're coming from. And sometimes we're guilty of taking things. And as long as we don't see it, Amen. That's true. then I, I ain't doing nothing wrong. We, 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 I ain't going to say nothing, but some of y'all done had some TVs in your house that fell off a truck. Uh -huh. Y'all quiet. Some of y'all done got some Gucci belts that Gucci didn't make. <laughs> All of these type of things are going on dishonestly, honestly, in the house of God. But because it pleases Eli, Eli looks the other way. So what does God do? God creates a new administration under the current administration without the current administration even knowing. I heard a preacher say something so powerful one time. He says, God has the ability to fire you and let you still come to work. Mm. Wow. Eli is fired and doesn't even know it. And God is working on Samuel, a young boy, while Eli is still the high priest, but God has a plan for young Samuel. So we see here that God finally shows up, and we talked about this on uh, Wednesday night, and when God comes to Samuel, he speaks to him three times. But because Samuel grew up in church but did not know God, he had to go to Eli, and Eli had to give him instructions. And watch this, God speaks to Samuel, walks past Eli, who's the high priest, speaks to Samuel to give Eli a word. Yeah. How disrespectful. Could you imagine God coming to your child to tell you about you when he could have came to you directly? Exactly. So Samuel finally goes into the temple. And when he goes into the temple, he calls on the name of the Lord. Uh, he says, Lord, here am I, your servant listening. And the thing that stuck out to me, you can read this when you get a chance. It's 1 Samuel, the third chapter, and the 10th verse. It says, and the Lord stood yes. before Samuel, which tells us that Jesus was in Samuel 3. Mm -hmm. The Lord stood before him, gives him a word and tells him that I'm getting ready to wipe out the whole lineage of Eli. 
So now the Bible speaks to Samuel. Samuel becomes the prophet of all the nations. And this is where we're at in the fourth chapter. And the word and Samuel's words came to all Israel. So God gave Samuel a word regarding the sons of Eli and God gives him a word. God honors it. And if you go back to the third chapter at the end of the verse, it says everything that Eli spoke or that Samuel spoke never hit the ground, which meant that God fulfilled every word that he gave Samuel. You know, a true prophet when God gives them a word and not one word hits the ground Amen. and they don't make excuses. Amen. So God gives Samuel a word to all of Israel. Watch this. Samuel at this point has been declared a prophet. Samuel at this point, we know that God is speaking to him. If we go back to the third chapter in the first verse, the Bible says that the word was precious in those days and there was no open vision. But now we come to the fourth chapter. God is speaking to Samuel, which means that the vision is open and Israel still doesn't want to hear. And sometimes God is speaking to us, but we don't want to hear it because it doesn't meet our agenda. Amen. <laughs> you are quiet. The reason why you don't want to open the book is because you don't want the book to tell you about yourself. You don't want the book to show you your flaws and your convictions. So what do you do? You go into a situation where you develop your own theology. And one thing we have to understand is we have to embrace the whole book. Amen. Because if you only believe in the book on what pacifies you and you don't believe on everything else, then it's possible that you can be a practical atheist. If I only believe him and what fits my agenda, but I don't believe him in the fullness of who he is, then I can't completely believe him. And if I don't completely believe him, then I don't completely believe that he's God. And if I don't believe completely that he's God, then technically I'm practically an atheist. Y'all quiet. I'm going to leave that alone. So Samuel's words came to all Israel. Watch this. Israel went out to meet the Philistines in battle and camped at Ebenezer while the Philistines camped at Aphek. Ebenezer and Aphek. Ebenezer and Aphek. Israel encamps at Ebenezer, which means the Lord is my help. And the Philistines camp at Aphek, which means strength. Somebody needs help, but somebody else has strength. Amen. <laughs> I'm going to go a step further. Y'all with me? The Ebenezer is about 20 miles north of Shiloh. You guys have been following with me for the last four weeks. If y'all ain't been following, go on the podcast. Shiloh is the place of worship. Shiloh is where the tabernacle is. Shiloh is where God meets Israel. And the enemy comes to where they worship. Say that again. The Philistines come to where Israel worships. And your strongest area in your life should be your worship. But what happens when the enemy attacks your worship and you have none. What happens when the enemy attacks your prayer life and you don't have one? Jesus, my God. And now the Philistines have come to Israel's place of worship and Israel has no worship. Go ahead. My question today is if the enemy attacks your worship, will he defeat you? Oh my. Go ahead. If he attacks your prayer life, do you have one? Now we see here that the enemy recognizes Israel's weakest point. They have no relationship with God. Y'all with me? And now we're looking at this text. And one thing that we find out a lot of times in our life is the reason why we're defeated is because our strength is not in our prayer life. Our strength is in our ability, but our strength is not in our worship. Anybody got a Fitbit? All right. All right. We got a couple folks exercising here. Right now, now you go through your phone. Y'all, y'all check your stats on your phone or wherever your your, your your tablet. And what does it tell you? It tells you your highest activity. Exactly. So it says between two or three p.m. You was at your highest activity. Your highest activity should be right now because you should be praising God so hard that. I used to wear one. 
<laughs> and on Monday mornings, I would look, and from like one to three, I would just be going through the roof, and I'm like, that's when I was preaching. Yeah. <laughs> My heart rate would just be going crazy. But then it shows you your lowest moments. Yes. So it show you around, you know, 10, 11 o'clock. That's when you know you're probably going to sleep. Some of y'all snoring, you already out. And it shows you that your heart rate is at a even pace because you're at your most relaxed moment. Now watch this. Imagine if God gave us a spiritual Fitbit and it measured our prayer life. Where would your highest peaks be in your prayer life? In most cases, it would only be when you're in trouble. It would only be when your money's funny. It would only be when things are going on in your family. It would only be when the job is getting on your nerves. And if we measured most of our prayer lives, the most intense moments of our prayer is when we're under pressure. But when everything seems to be okay, our prayer seems to be even. And that ain't the way it's supposed to be. David said, I will bless the Lord at all. David is saying, my Fitbit is out of control. If you check it at three in the morning, I'm blessing them. If you check it at four in the morning, I'm blessing them. If you walk in the room, I might just be bound to be speaking in tongues in my sleep because God's just been that good. That is the way our relationship would be. But what the enemy does is he waits till your spiritual heart rate is even. And he says, ah, I got you. That's why sometimes we're like, I was doing so good. And out of nowhere, everything just seemed to be falling apart. You had no worship. Your prayer life was weak. And the enemy realized that you wasn't talking to God. So let me creep into that life and cause chaos. So they camp at Ebenezer. The Philistines camp at Aphek. The Philistines line up battle, line up in battle in formation against Israel. And as the battle intensified, Israel was defeated by the Philistines who struck down 4,000 men on the battlefield. Watch this. First verse. And Samuel's words, hold on, came to all Israel. We're defeated but God is speaking to Samuel. So the question is, did you go to battle without talking to Samuel? Go ahead, Nam, go ahead. And in most cases, we're going into warfare without counsel from God. Oh my, my God. That's why we're being defeated. Because there's an open vision, but we're not going to the man of God to get it. Now I'm not putting that pressure on me, don't come to me. (laughs) Y'all better pray. But Samuel was used as the oracle of God. He was used as the prophet of God. And when they should have went to Samuel first, see, God has already proven who Samuel is in the previous chapter, but they immediately go to battle without going to a man of God for instruction on how to win the battle. And the next time you find yourself going to battle, you need to ask yourself, did I get a strategy from God or did I get a strategy from my attitude? Most of us go into battle because we got up in our mind, we're going to tell somebody about themselves. Right, I'm going to go in that job and I'm going to say what I got to say and you fired. Yep, that's right. Because your strategy was not from God. Your strategy was from the flesh. And now you find yourself being defeated because you never sought God for instruction. You sought God based off of your own belief system and your own education and now you're being destroyed. Watch this next verse. When the troops returned to the camp the elders of Israel asked why did the Lord let us be defeated by the Philistines? Why are you asking this question now? Why don't you go to Samuel? And not only that ain't you an elder? Shouldn't you no good? But now you're going asking, why do we get beat? But watch this. Let's bring the Ark of the Lord's Covenant from Shiloh. Now let's go go get the Ark of the Covenant. I don't got time to tell you what the Ark of the Covenant is, but the Ark of the Covenant was the thing that stood behind uh, 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 the, 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 the rent, the veil. It was a place where God's Shekinah glory came. 
It was a place where um, Aaron, uh, Moses, um, Rod was there. Uh, it was the manna was in there. It was all of these things to remind them where God brought them from. It was a place that had the mercy seat where God's glory and his presence would dwell. And now they decide that now that they're under pressure, they're going to go grab that and use that as if though it's going to bring power. It was nothing more but symbolic. God moved as he wanted on it, but it did not represent God. It was symbolic, but it wasn't God. You can use whatever you want, but if it has no faith behind it, then it's nothing more but a tool. So they think that they're going to use God as some type of good luck charm. And they ain't spoke to him in centuries. They have no relationship with him. And they decide in their mind that they're going to use the Ark of the Covenant as this good look charm and God's going to see it. And all of a sudden he's just going to have favor on them. But they ain't even praying. Watch this. They've never even repented. But all of a sudden. They think at the last moment, God's going to use this Ark of the Covenant to give them glory. And there's never been any type of relationship with God. It reminds us of sometimes when we're in trouble, we want to call on God. God doesn't show up and we want to blame God. But God is like, when was the last time you talked to me? (laughs) The bills due tomorrow and you decide to pray today. got the doctor's report now all of a sudden you want to run around the church and give five high fives and give an offering and you just think that you're going to be healed can I go a step further how many of y'all really got the Holy Spirit how many of y'all really got it if you really got the Holy Spirit I'm going to tell the truth about myself I ain't going to talk about nobody else you really got the, the Holy Spirit Holy Spirit will tell you sometimes put that drink down put that, that coffee down put that Pepsi down put that fried chicken down yeah now all of a sudden you go into the doctor and they say you got high blood pressure and the Holy Spirit been talking for the last 10 years. <laughs> now all of a sudden you want him to work miracles and magic. <laughs> but you done ate nasty for the last 10 years of your life and all of a sudden you just want somebody to drop some miracle water on your head and everything's going to be all right. Now I'm not going to say God can't heal. I know he's a healer. But I have to ask the question, did he speak to you? Yeah. Mm. You done smoked for 40 years. Now you got lung cancer. Yeah. I'm going to leave this alone. Now all of a sudden you just want a touch in it to be gone. But did the Holy Spirit speak to you during all those years and say, you know, that ain't no good for you. We got to be real with ourselves, y'all. I know y'all want to hear this. Y'all, y'all just, y'all want to hear this. We got to stop it. Yeah, that's true. Because sometimes God is speaking, we're not listening because we rather gratify our flesh than be healthy and live life more abundantly. Oh, yeah. I'm talking to me. I'm guilty. So now they come and they say, why did the Lord let us be defeated today by the Philistines? Let us bring the ark of the Lord God's covenant from Shiloh. Then it will save. Then it will go with us and save us from the hand of our enemies. I want you to look at one word that stuck out to me. Then what? Not he. Not God. It will save us. Yo. Not let us go to battle and God will fight for us. It. Y'all quiet. I didn't worship God. I worshiped the ark. And God says, since your faith is in the ark and not me, I'm going to let it save you. Yes, 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 yes. Y'all quiet. Sometimes God says, I'm going to let it handle your business. I'm going to let it. I'm going to let that job bring you out of your financial distress. I'm going to let that thing bring you. I'm going to let that relationship save you. I'm going to let that person. I'm going to let that thing. I'm going to let. Go ahead. Let me let it bring you out. Let me tell you something. Ain't nothing on this world going to bring you out but God. But now this shows us something. There's no relationship because they're referencing God as a it. And he's not an it. Amen. Y'all with me? Yes, yes, yes. Then it will go with us and save us from the hand of our enemy. Next verse. So the people sent men to Shiloh. Watch this. They sent who? 
to bring back the Ark of the Covenant. Watch this. Let's go Old Testament. I know some of y'all might not have read this. We go. I was thinking about this. I'm going to do a series on Leviticus, Jesus and Leviticus, but I ain't got time right now. So I'm going to do this right now for some of us that have read this before. Who, who is supposed to carry the Ark? But they said, let us go get. Y'all with me? Only a certain assigned people were supposed to touch the Ark. We, uh, let, let, let's, let's fast forward into the next couple chapters, the next couple weeks. Uh, David brings the ark back to Israel. And as they're walking, they're carrying the ark, and the ark almost falls, and a man decides that he's going to help the ark, and what happens? He dies. Because no regular man's supposed to touch the things of God. People that are consecrated are supposed to touch the holy things, but because they don't know God, they just go get ordinary men to go get the ark of the Lord. So they said, so they sent, so the people sent men to Shiloh to bring back the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord of Hosts, who dwells between the cherubim. Eli's two sons, Hophni and Phineas, were there with the Ark of the Covenant of God. My question is, why are they still in the picture when Samuel was here? Why are the people still dealing with Hophni and Phinehas who have proven to be evil men, men that God has already cursed and men who God has already spoken that he's going to kill and that they're going to die on the same day, second chapter. Why are people still messing with these two men? Because sometimes we get so caught up in the personality driven of leadership that we don't even recognize that God's no longer with them. Oh, I like the way he preaches. I like the way he looks. I like the way he sounds. But the question is, is God with them? And we got people seeking this old regime when God has already spoken and already said, It's over for them, but they're still seeking guidance from men who God doesn't even speak to anymore. We're going to go somewhere in a minute, I promise you. I'll I'll holler in a second. So Eli's two sons, Hophni and Phinehas, were there with the Ark of the Covenant of God. Can I go a step further? No one has moved the Ark of the Covenant since the days of Moses. We read the whole book of Joshua. We ain't seen the ark move too many times other than when they walked across the Jordan. We done read the whole book of Judges. We never seen the ark of the covenant. We read the whole book of Ruth. We ain't seen the ark of the covenant. But now all of a sudden these men decided they're so powerful that they're going to take God out of the temple. It, because their God ain't God. And move him out on the battlefield to fight for them. Y'all with me? Eli's two sons, Hophni and Phinehas, were there with the Ark of the Covenant. When the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord entered the camp, all the Israelites raised such a loud shout that the ground shook. Watch this. They're making a bunch of empty noise. They're giving praise, and God's not in it. And sometimes we could be making a whole bunch of noise in church, and God ain't even in it. They made noise so loud that the ground shook. Y'all quiet. And God ain't even in it. We got to be careful that we're not just making noise in here. The question that I have to ask is, is God in here? And sometimes God don't need a whole lot of noise. Sometimes he's in just a still, small voice. I hope I'm still with y'all. I'm I'm, I'm going to lighten this up in just a minute. We're going to go somewhere. We're going to go somewhere in a minute. Uh, But I I see a lot of loud churches. A lot of loud noise. And I'm not not throwing shade or knocking. Because God is in a lot of churches that make a lot. We make noise. But sometimes, don't let noise draw you. Just because a church got popping music and they can holler and scream and sing don't mean God's there. And we can't get caught up in the noise of things thinking because the louder we are, the more God hears us. No, you can scream to the top of your lungs and God can turn a deaf ear. Y'all quiet. 
We want to make sure that our noise is heard from the Lord. But Israel is making a noise to God, but they're out of order. They want God to move, but they never repented. They want God to move, but they still have leadership in place who God has rejected. And now they're wondering why things aren't working in their way. It's because you're not looking at the big picture to figure out why, why things are not moving in your way. Why am I still in the same place? You're still in the same place because you have not drawn out to see that God has shifted some things and you're still stuck in the same place. I'm almost done, y'all. Now watch this. The Philistines heard the sound of the war cry and asked, what's this loud shout in the Hebrews camp? When the Philistines discovered that the Ark of the Lord had entered the camp, they panicked. Watch this. The lowercase have entered there, they said. Woe to us. Nothing like this has happened before. I'm going to go back. The lowercase gods, which tells us what? They don't even know that Jehovah's their God. Y'all quiet. That's a terrible thing to call yourself saved and folks don't know who you worship. That's right. That's right. Amen. This is supposed to be the representative of God. And their enemies don't even know who their God is. What a smack to the face to God. <laughs> These are the people that God brought out of out of Egypt. These are the people that God brought through the Jordan. These are the people that God killed the Amorites, the Moabites, the Gershites, the Amorites, the Amorites. And yet the Philistines don't even know who their God is. Why do they not know who their God is? Because Israel stopped acknowledging who he was. If they would have known that Jehovah was their God, it would have made even more noise. But because they only look at Israel's God as a little G, we're going to go to the next verse. They ain't afraid of them. Enemy ain't, ain't scared of your little gods. The enemy is afraid when you say in the name of Jesus. <laughs> Y'all quiet. Enemy ain't afraid of your little worship. The enemy is afraid when you lift your hands and you say, God, I surrender all. We have to make a noise to let the enemy know who our God is. Who am I talking to today? Your enemy should know who your God is. Because if they know that Jesus is on your side, if they know that the Lord is on your side, they'll fall back and say, hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up. I don't mess with that Jesus stuff. Now, if they was worshiping some other God, I'd mess with them. But I know that if they call on the name of Jesus, things are going to shift in their life. So let me fall back. Somebody right now needs to call Jesus. You need to let the enemy know who God, you, what God you serve. You need to let the enemy know right now that when I call on him, sickness has to back up. Demons have to back up. Situations have to back up. I need somebody right now to let your enemies know who your Lord is. Don't be quiet about it. Make some noise. Jesus is Lord. I can park there, but I ain't got time. The messenger answered, Israel fled from the Philistines. And there was a great slaughter. Oh, no, no, go back up. I'm sorry. Go back up. Go back up. Go back up. Go back up. We missed something there. Eli heard that. Oh, no, no, no. Go back up. Go back up. We missed a whole bunch of verses here. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Go back up. Go back up. We missed a whole lot of verses here. I don't know what happened there. Uh-huh. 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 The Philistines heard. Uh-huh. Now let's go down. <laughs> there we go. Woe to us. Who will rescue us from the hand of these magnificent plural? Y'all missing this. Plural and little g. It's telling us something here. It's telling us that the Philistines not only only know that, not only do not know that Jehovah is their God, but they also think they're worshiping other gods too. And could it be that they were? Israel started worshiping like everybody else around them to the point to where their enemies recognize that (laughs) the enemies low key know that Jehovah ain't on their side. Y'all quiet. So they see plural gods. They see Baal. They see Asherah. They see all of these other gods. They don't see 
Jehovah. Because Israel, somewhere along the line, stopped lifting up the banner, the Jehovah Nisi, and stopped saying, the Lord is my banner. And now the enemy says they must be worshiping some other gods. That's how the enemy looks at us sometimes when he sees us way out there and far away from where we should be. He says they must be worshiping some other gods. So they're looking here and they say, who will rescue us from the hand of these magnificent lowercase gods? These are the gods that slaughtered the Egyptians with all kinds of plagues in the wilderness. They got their gods mixed up. There was only one God that slaughtered the Egyptians with all kinds of plagues in the wilderness. And can I go a step further? And when that God did it, there was no Ark of the Covenant yet. That's right. <laughs> so you're afraid of something mm-hmm. that God has proven that he's worked with or worked without before. Mm-hmm. Am I talking too deep? So now they're looking, they say, these are the gods. They got their gods mixed up that slaughtered the Egyptians with all kind of plagues in the wilderness. But watch this. Since they're little gods, <laughs> one of the brothers from the Philistines stood up and said, show some courage and be men, Philistines. Man up. They little G's. We got G's too, son. They got little gods. We got little gods too. So let's show some courage. Watch this. And let's challenge our gods, little G, versus their gods, little G. And now we got a battle of the little G's. Show some courage and be men Philistines. Otherwise, you'll serve the Hebrews just as they served you. Now be men and fight. I like this version. So the Philistines, watch this. They ain't afraid of, they ain't afraid of Israel's gods. The Philistines fought Israel and was defeated. Each man fled to his tent. The slaughter was severe. Look at this. Look how many men died. 30,000 of the Israelite foot soldiers fell. The ark of God, of God was captured and Eli's two sons, Hophni and Phinehas, died. The moment that ark was taken, God killed Hophni and Phinehas. Now watch this. They only would have been able to take the ark if they got permission from their daddy. Because he was the high priest. Y'all quiet. But because they were disobedient and allowed it, now they died, which was prophesied in 1 Samuel 2. Next verse. That same day, a Benjamite man ran from the battle and came to Shiloh. Some people believe that Benjamin, Benjamite man was Saul, but we don't know that. His clothes were torn and there was dirt on his head. When he arrived, there was what? Eli doing what? Every time we see Eli, what is he doing? Sitting. Sitting in his glorified chair. Beside the road watching, watch this, because he was anxious about the Ark of Capital G, God. He knew that he shouldn't have let his sons take that Ark out to battle. So now he's anxious because he knew that I shouldn't have sent that ark out that was not God's plan for this battle. When the man entered the city to give a report, the entire city cried out. Now watch this. Eli heard the outcry and asked, why this commotion? The man quickly came and reported to Eli. At the time, Eli was 98 years old. And he's not only the judge, but he's also what? The high priest. Y'all got a little time? Turn me to Numbers 25 and 8. You ain't got it. Numbers 25 and 8. It's okay. It's cool. It's cool. Numbers 25 and 8. Numbers 25. How old is Eli? 98. We want some Bible study today. Eli is how old? 98. Now watch this. In regard to the Levites, from 25 years old or more, a man enters the service in the work of the tent meeting. How old? 25 years or what? But at 
50 years old, he is to read from his service in the work and no longer. But Eli is 98 serving. He's 48 years past his prime. Y'all quiet in here. It's so quiet in here. I could just, I could hear the mouse upstairs. <laughs> He's 48 years past his prime. The word, the law said at 50. He's supposed to retire, but he's 98, still doing the service of the Lord, which is against the word of God. Now, I don't know how old his son is, but I can make an assumption that if he's 98, his sons are probably at least 50. Because if they're 50, then he was 48 when he had them. I don't know too many 48-year-old first-time parents. They're out here. So, but something tells me that they're over 52. Now, this is old cousin. I don't want y'all 50-year-olds leaving here talking about, I ain't got to go to church no more. Praise God. No, no, no. This is under the Levitic law. Y'all with me? So, not only is Eli past his prime, but the sons are past theirs too. Y'all quiet. Eli heard the outcry. While is this commotion? Man quickly came and reported to Eli. At that time, Eli was 98 years old and his gaze was fixed because he couldn't see. Y'all know what that means. The man said to Eli, I'm the one who came from the battle. I fled from there today. What happened, my son? Eli asked. The messenger answered, Israel has fled from the Philistines. And also there was a great slaughter among the people. Watch this. Your two sons, Hophni and Phinehas, are both dead. And the Ark of the Covenant has been captured. Which bad news did he get first? The two sons are what? And then next, the Ark of the God has been what? Now, next verse. When he mentioned the Ark of God. <laughs> not the sons. Wow. Not the sons. When he mentioned the ark of God, he fell backward off his chair and he died. He didn't die from his son's dying. He died because the ark of God was taken. Y'all missed it. I can deal. I can deal. It's hard. With my children dying. But if God takes his glory, there's nothing to live for. Amen. So when Eli realizes that God was captured, not technically, not real, but y'all know what y'all know the deal. The ark, which represented God, was captured. It outweighed the news about his son. Yes, yes. And he died. Now watch this. Eli was heavy. But he was weak. Y'all like, what does that mean? How did he get heavy? Eating, Eating gratification of the flesh. Let's, 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 let's take it to 2019. He was the pastor with the Bentley, the mansion. He had it all. He was heavy, but he was weak. <laughs> so weak that when he heard that God's glory was taken... He had nothing and he died. We got to be careful to not get so caught up in the gratification of things that we miss the fact that God's glory has been taken. His neck broke and Eli died and Eli judged Israel. This ain't how long he was the high priest. He judged Israel for how long? 40 years. Now I want to work with this text and I'm going to sit down. Eli's daughter-in-law, the wife of Phinehas, was pregnant and about to give birth. Eli's daughter-in-law, the wife of Phineas, was pregnant and about to give birth. Woo! That, that, that looks like nothing, but this is going to be a lot. 
Eli's what? Daughter-in-law. The wife of Phineas was pregnant and about to give. That's a lot there. She's his daughter-in-law, Eli's daughter-in-law, dead. Wife of Phineas, dead. Pregnant and about to give birth to something that's been prophesied won't live long, dead. Can you imagine? Father-in-law dead. Oh wow. Husband dead. Mm. And you're about to give birth to something that won't live long. My God, my God. Yes, yes. Mm. This is <laughs> This is this is this is wow. I I don't know how this landed on me on a Sunday. Like this should have been Bible study, but we next Sunday I will we'll holler. All of this because they're outside of the will of God. Now let's go a step further real quick. Y'all with me? Not only has my father died, but I was married to a man that was unfaithful and all Israel knew about it. Y'all quiet. What would have been known for Phineas and Eli, Phineas and, and, and I was going to say Phineas and Ferb, <laughs> Phineas and Hophni. They were known for bringing women into the temple, sleeping with them. And the Bible said, and all Israel knew. So there's a certain shame that this woman has carrying a baby, knowing that her husband is cheating on her with all the women around. And knowing that I'm pregnant with something that's going to die soon. I'm so insignificant that they don't even give me a name in this scripture. Wow. I'm just known as the daughter-in-law. <laughs> I know, I'm sorry. This sounds like a Tyler Perry movie, don't it? Y'all, y'all faces is all tied up. Jackie, I mean, I'm calling you uh, Jackie. all in the book. <laughs> Imagine this. We spend so much time talking about Hophni and Phineas and, 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 and Eli. But let's just focus on this, this young lady for just a couple minutes. She's walking around. Samuel released the word in the previous chapter that nothing from the bloodline of Eli will live long. And then she pops up pregnant. Previous chapter, everybody was going around, talking about my husband, messing around with the whole city. And she's walking around pregnant. Father-in-law let the brothers do whatever they want to do. And she's walking around pregnant. What shame and what purpose do you feel she has when everything around her is worthless? Work this text in a minute. When she heard the news about the capture of God's ark and the deaths of her father-in-law and husband, she collapsed and gave birth because her labor pains came on her, meaning that she gave birth prematurely. Yeah, exactly. The stress and the pain on top of everything else caused her to have premature birth. Now watch this. As she was dying, now she's going to die. Eli's dead. Husband's dead. Baby gonna die soon. And I'm gonna die giving birth to the baby. Y'all quiet. Y'all quiet in here today. As she was dying, the women taking care of her said, don't be afraid. You've given birth to a son. They're trying to cheer her up because remember back in those days a woman giving a son to a man was everything but she did not respond or pay attention she named the boy Ichabod 
saying the glory has departed from Israel, referring to the capture of the ark of God and to the deaths of her father-in-law and her husband. Mm. Watch this. Go back up, go back up. The only thing that was keeping her alive up to this point was God's glory. My husband's cheating on me. My father-in-law's evil. My baby's going to die early. The only thing that I got is the glory of God. And now she's hearing that the glory of God is taken. And now I have nothing to live for. So she dies and names the child Ichabod. Next verse. I'm done here. The glory has departed from Israel, she said, because the ark of God has been captured. The only thing I had was God's glory. And since I don't have that, I don't want to live. And she dies. This was like the saddest movie I've ever seen. <laughs> Y'all's faces are like saying it all. Like, Y'all are, I will never read this chapter again. You said all that to say what? Because I got to take it to the cross every Sunday. Because if, if I did nothing else, I'd have just told y'all a story right now. But I got to take this text to the cross. Where is Jesus in this text? Because Jesus is in all scripture. Y'all with me? Jesus is in this text. Because in the first verse, there was a little boy dedicated to God whose name was Samuel. But in order for Samuel to work under the new dispensation, the old dispensation, which is the law, which symbolized Hophni and Phinehas had to die. So the son of man had to sit there and watch man continuously try to work in their own power to death before he came in to be the savior to bring the glory back to Israel. What are you saying? In the Old Testament was the Hophni and Phinehas era where men tried to save themselves by works. And no matter how good every single person is in this room, there is an innate ability to sin inside of you. You say, well, I don't act on it, but you think about it. And because you have that innate feature inside of your body, you are bound to die from the moment you were born. That is the curse that fell on us through Adam. We became blood poisoning. But what did God do? In between, weave in between the scriptures, just like Samuel was growing in chapter one, just like Samuel was growing in chapter two, just like Samuel was growing in chapter three, Jesus was working all around in the Old Testament. Jesus was there with with Jacob. Jesus was there with Moses. Jesus was there with Gideon. Jesus was there with Samuel. Jesus was there with David. And while we're sitting here trying to figure it out, we fail to understand that Jesus is growing. But then we get to the Gospels, and when we get to the Gospels, Jesus has now walked into the fullness of his ministry. And when he goes to the earth, he has an assignment, and the assignment is to go on the cross and die for our sins so that we don't die like Hophni and Phinehas in our mess. And they pierced him in his side, and they pierced him on his hands, and they pierced him in his feet, and they gave him 39 lashes, and they put him on a cross on Calvary's cross. But in three days, he rose again with all power and his hand and the glory that had departed from Israel the glory that had departed from the church has been restored through Christ Jesus and I'm so glad that Jesus sent his son to restore glory so that you and I can live anybody happy that Jesus has been restored so Jesus is our Samuel Jesus is our Samuel When we were helpless, when we were worthless, when we were sins to the law, Christ sent his son to die for us so that the glory could come back and be restored to his people. I'm finished. I'm going to give you the three points and I'm done. 
Number one, does your heart beat for God? It's a question I want you to think about this week. If I have a spiritual Fitbit, this <laughs> what does it show? Do I only show high stress moments in high stress situations? Or do I bless the Lord at all time? Am I only praising him because I'm going through? Or will I give him the same praise when I come out? Amen. Some of y'all doing all right right now. You got a little money in your bank, in the bank. You got about $5 <laughs> till Friday. You doing all right? Mortgage was paid this month. Car note paid. Bills paid. Hair done, nails done, everything did. <laughs> you fancy, huh? <laughs> Everything good right now. You, you're doing all right. But my question is, where's your worship now? Are you just flatlining? Or are you giving him a glorious praise right now because everything's all right? Don't wait till the battle starts. Be prepared just in case the devil wants to get busy. Make some noise now. And let the world know who your God is now before you have to face an obstacle. And then when the obstacle shows up, you want to show up and you want God to just do some mighty move. But you, I don't know about y'all, but I don't like nobody calling me for no money and I ain't spoke to you in five years. All right, I got four hand claps. I'm going to tell y'all now, I'm going to give you a heads up. It's, it, this, this is the trick. This is the trick because I didn't been tricked a couple times. Some folks are so strategic, they're asking for Christmas money now. So they're going to call you now and say their car broke. And they're going to call somebody else and the next week they're going to have all their money for Christmas in October. And you ain't spoke to them since last October. Don't. Y'all quiet. Don't treat God like you don't want to be treated. That's right. The same way you don't want nobody calling you, asking you for money, and then you ain't spoke to you in five years, don't call me, don't call God. Yes, right. And tell God you in trouble all down. He's a present help. We know that. Yes. But those of us that have relationship, we know better. Amen. There should be a constant contact with God every day. Yes. Amen. And when there's a constant contact, he knows what you need before you even have to tell him. Yes. And he meets every need. Yes. Don't wait till the last second. Yes. Call him now. Talk to him now. If everything's well, say, thank you, God. Yes. If all your bills are paid right now, say, thank you, God. If the job is doing all right, say, thank you, God. If some of y'all got a, a promotion coming, thank you, God. Give him the praise now. Don't wait. <laughs> Don't wait till you start seeing those pink slips coming down your aisle. <laughs> Too late. Your name is in that list, bro. <laughs> exactly. But still say, thank you, God. Number two. God is not a genie in a bottle. You're not going to rub him and just get your wishes his command. You ain't just going to shout and money. I'm sorry. I know. I know. I know some of y'all believe that. You ain't going to sit in here. I'm going to tell you now. You go ahead and dance. Go ahead. Go ahead. I'm going to tell you right now. You're going to leave here with the same amount you got in your pocket. Don't. Don't. God is not to be moved just because you do some external exercise. Praise is important. I believe in dance. I believe in shouting. I believe in giving God all the glory. Yeah. But praise should just be something that you do anyway. Anyway, yes. We should not be just calling on God to just be, you know, our ATM. No, right. We shouldn't just be rubbing on him saying, God, I need you. No, 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 no. No, there should just be such a relationship with him. We should be already in relationship with him. Yeah. That we're not rubbing him for some type of quick demand and, you know, just using him like he like he's Will Smith and Aladdin. Y'all with me? Number three. Consistently pray to be in the will of God. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Pray to be and pray the will of the Father. Too many times we're praying our will. And what do you mean? You're praying the desires of your heart. 
but you're not seeking his righteousness. Let me ask you something. All of us got, I don't know, some people call them bucket lists and things of that sort. All of us, all of us, right? And everybody got something you want to do, something you want to own. Ain't nothing wrong with that. Y'all, I, I, I ain't going to bust you. <laughs> you want a mansion? Praise God. But the question that we have to ask is, what benefit will that be for the kingdom? Not saying God can't give you a mansion. But if you're going to have a 40-bedroom house, and it's just you and your wife, you ain't going to host a Thanksgiving? You ain't going to invite me? Johnny? <laughs> right, Selena? We're going to have on Thanksgiving at Johnny's house, right? But imagine Johnny getting this mansion and just, <laughs> Selena, I don't got no cousin named Selena. <laughs> We got to pray the will of God. Because sometimes God ain't giving it to you because if he gives it to you, there's no benefit for it. Some of y'all just want to stunt on Instagram. That's it. You want that car just so you can take a picture and tell folks you got a car. It's pride. It's pride. You just, you just want to go on that vacation. You ain't even going to enjoy the vacation. You got to just let us know you want vacation. <laughs> And you know what? Thank you for letting me know you ain't home. I'm going to you. Let me stop. I'm playing. I'm playing. I'm playing. I'm playing. Y'all better be careful with that. Y'all telling folks you in the Bahamas and somebody right there at your apartment. <laughs> you got certain things are just for us. There's no glory in God in it. And the reason why God is not releasing those doors for us is because all you want to do is stunt and show people what you got. But there's no glory to God in it. So God is saying, why am I going to give it to you if I'm not going to have any glory in it? So let's make sure that we pray in the will of God. Amen? Amen. All right, let's stand to our feet. Let's have a word of prayer. Amen. I heard uh, Munchie ask for special prayer. Come on up, girl. Let's pray, young lady. We're going to pray that God's will is done. Amen. If there's anyone else that desires special prayer, you can come at this time. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. Amen. We're just going to touch and agree. Amen. Father God, in the name of Jesus, Lord, Lord, you know the need. God, we ask God right now, God, that you touch her right now, God, from the crown of her head to the soles of her feet, God. God, you know her heart. God, you know her spirit, God. We thank you, Lord, for her life. And God, we thank you, Lord, for the purpose, God, that you've put in her, God. And God, because she's full of your purpose, God, all things will work together for her good, God. And we thank you right now for complete victory. We thank you, God, for a complete turnaround, God. We thank you, Lord, for the praise report in advance. And all I'm asking right in the name of Jesus, God, is when this report comes through, God, God, when you do this thing for her, God, that she testifies of your goodness. And we thank you right now in advance for it is done. In Jesus' name, amen. It's already done. It's already done. Come on, let's give God a hand clap. Amen. Father, we thank you. God, right now, God, touch her, Lord, from the crown of her head to the soles of her feet, God. God, we ask, Lord, for a special move, God. We ask, God, that you just continue, God, to open her eyes, God, to see the spiritual things of you, God, and the things that you have in store for her, God. God, we thank you, Lord, for her faithfulness, God, and we ask, God, to just move right now on her behalf, God, and we give you praise and honor in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Yes, yes, yes. Father, we ask you, Lord, that you touch this oil, God, anointed, God, God, for the use, God, of just blessing, for healing, God. We ask, God, that you just move, God, on whoever, God, comes in contact with this oil, God. We ask, God, that there's just a transformation, God, in it, God. For, God, we know the power is not in the oil, God, but the power is in your word and in your name, God. And we thank you right now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Praise God. And, God, we thank you for everybody under the sound of my voice, God. Every name by name, one by one, God. I thank you, Lord, for my brothers in the back, God. Jamal, Denzel, amen, and Marvin, amen. Thank you right now. Thank you for Gina, all the way from St. Vincent. Amen, praise God. <laughs> amen, I ain't thanking for Gary. I say him all the time. I'm playing, I'm playing. God, we thank you, Lord, for them, God. We thank you, Lord, for just your traveling mercies, God. We ask you, God, just to touch each and every single person. Amen. Uh, in this building, God, we ask, God, that you just meet every need, God, that you continue, God, to be Jehovah Jireh, our provider, God, our healer, God, our banner, God. And God, we will lift your name up. God, our enemies will know, God, who is on our side, God. For if God be for us, who can be against us? And this is how we fight our battles. And we thank you right now, God. In Jesus' name. Amen. Somebody give God a hand clap. Thank you for listening. If you would like to partner with us or make a donation, 
please visit our site at www.go2hopehaven.org. Our mission statement is to reach, evangelize, accept, 